One of the endearing images of the Christmas season is the sight that we have just come across in Luke chapter 2. The angels winging through the sky, singing God's praises in all of their glory, while down below on earth, a group of shepherds stand amidst their flocks in slack-jawed wonder. Listening. Listening to the message of the angels. Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This scene encompasses so much of this night, the joy, the singing, the meeting of the physical and the metaphysical as heaven and earth come together as one. And yet it's worth noting that the angels who have just descended to earth have not just come to any group of people. They have come to shepherds, not to the emperor in Rome, not to King Herod in his palace by the sea, not even to the religious leaders just up the road in Jerusalem, but to shepherds who are out living in the fields, out in the hills, keeping watch over their flocks by night. We've come to take this for granted, I think, over the years. But it's odd, right? If we were going to make up this story on our own, shepherds are probably not the last people that we would have expected the angels to come see. But I can't imagine that they would have been the first either. The great German reformer Martin Luther, in one of his reflections on this passage, is typical here. Notice how lavishly God honors those who are despised by the world, Luther writes. The angels were not sent to princes or powerful people, but rather to the uneducated, lowliest people on earth. Didn't they want to speak to the high priests, the highly educated men in Jerusalem who had so much to say about God and about angels? No. The ones worthy of receiving such great honor from heaven were the poor shepherds who were considered nobodies by the world. There are others who go further than Luther. Raymond Brown, for example, one of the greatest New Testament scholars of the last hundred years, argues that in first century Palestine, shepherds were not simply dismissed by their neighbors as lower than them in class, but were instead, in fact, despised, distrusted, feared as outlaws around every turn. 
And yet here they are in our text tonight. Given preferential treatment, front row seats to one of the greatest shows on earth. Invited in on the secret that this is one of the greatest nights in the history of the world. One minute they are dozing, watching their sheep with lidded eyes. And the next they are listening to angels sing to them. Address them from the skies above. These shepherds are the one group of people to whom this message of good news and great joy is directly given. And what they hear is that the goodness and the greatness and the joy are intended not just for them, but for all people. That God's redeeming love has come to earth this night in the person of this child for everyone. On May 13, 1981, Pope John Paul II was entering St. Peter's Square when he was shot in the belly by an assassin. The Pope was rushed to the hospital. The assassin was wrestled to the ground by a nun, history records. A detail that some Catholic classmates of mine in seminary would have appreciated. The Pope survived five hours of emergency surgery and the assassin was sentenced to life imprisonment. It sounds like the end of the story. But it is not. Because fast forward two and a half years into the future and the two men met again. Just after Christmas Day in 1983. The Pope went and visited him, you see, in prison. What we talked about, he later said, will have to remain a secret between him and me. I spoke to him, though, as a brother whom I have pardoned and who has my complete trust. The Pope, you see, knew that the message of Christmas was good news of great joy for all people. Larry McGee was a mentor of mine in college. He grew up in the 1940s in Kentucky where his father was a railroad engineer. He remembers one Christmas break during the war being awakened in the middle of the night, bundled into his coat and hustled down to the train station. A passenger train was switching engines and half the town had gathered there to gape at its cargo, a trainload of German prisoners of war on their way to a POW camp further up the line. We watched and listened, Dr. McGee once wrote about that night. 
pondering how, like our own uniformed uncles and neighbors, they were in age and appearance. Somehow, suddenly, on that Christmas week night at the LNN Depot, the hate that we had nurtured every day, collecting tinfoil and scrap metal and buying war stamps and war bonds and doing without tires and gasoline and sugar for the war effort, simply seemed out of place. As the two groups waited there in the dark, suddenly someone on the train began to sing. Still a knocked. Heilige knocked. Soon the whole train was singing, Stilla knocked, Heilige knocked. And before long, the Americans found themselves joining in as well. You and I will sing the song here in just a moment. Silent night, holy night. A night of good news, of great joy for all people. On November 8, 1987, in a small town west of Belfast, Northern Ireland, an IRA bomb was detonated amidst a celebrating crowd. The blast buried a man named Gordon Wilson and his adult daughter Mary under a collapsed building. And while Wilson was eventually rescued and survived, his daughter did not. And yet speaking to the BBC from a hospital bed mere hours after the blast, he told the rest of his nation... I have lost my daughter, but I bear no grudge. Bitter talk will not bring her back to life. I will pray tonight and every night that God will forgive the ones who did this. After his release from the hospital, Wilson led a crusade for Protestant Catholic reconciliation. He convinced Protestant extremists not to retaliate against the IRA, and he even met with the IRA leadership and forgave them in person, asking them to lay down their arms. Gordon Wilson, an everyday Irishman, a Methodist, a clothier, by trade, knew. Deep down in his bones, he knew when everyone and everything else around him shouted otherwise, he knew that the good news of Jesus Christ was only really good if it was good news of great joy. For everyone. Karl Barth was arguably the greatest theologian of the past 500 years. He began his teaching career in German universities but was expelled from Germany in 1935 because of his opposition to the Third Reich. He finished his career back home in Switzerland teaching at the University of Basel. But what many people do not know 
is that between leading courses at the university and traveling all around the world to give lectures and writing some of the most extraordinarily long and dense and brilliant and beautiful theological works that I have ever come across. Professor Bart also kept up a preaching schedule there in the prison in the city of Basel. Anyway, at Christmas time in 1954, in the chapel of the Basel prison, to a group of people who had been tried and duly convicted. Bart gave a sermon on the same story of the shepherds and the angels that you and I are looking at tonight. In this story, he told the gathered prisoners that the angel of the Lord speaks to the shepherds and indeed speaks to us. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. You, regardless of who you are, Bart told them, whether or not you understand the message, whether or not you are a good and a pious person, this news is meant for you, for your benefit. The Christmas story happened. It does not take place without us, he said. We, you and I, are involved in it. Friends, Gordon Wilson, the Irishman, knew what John Paul, the Pope, knew what Karl Barth, the professor, knew and needed those folks in Basel prison to know. That the birth of Jesus Christ is good news of great joy for all people, for them. For you, for me, and for absolutely everyone. And if it isn't good news of great joy for everyone, for those whom we might like to dismiss as criminals or those whom we might want to label as enemies and those who we might deem as threatening and on and on and on, then it turns out that it isn't actually good news of great joy for anyone. That, I think, is why it first came to the shepherds out on the hillside. And that is why it has come to each and every one of us this evening, and that is why you and I get to leave this place and share it with each and every person that we come across. Thanks be to God, and Merry Christmas. Amen.